Welcome to another exciting episode of the Critical Transit Podcast. Spring is here and longer days, rising temperatures. I'm making my way across Wisconsin. I'm spending this week in Madison, a very progressive and bike-friendly city, before taking the bus to La Crosse in southwestern Wisconsin and biking up the Mississippi River to St. Paul and Minneapolis. Uh, But today we spend the hour learning about the Wisconsin Bike Federation and their work to improve bicycling in cities and towns across the state. Uh, Many great things are happening there and I'm excited to share them with you. And uh, we talked about all things bikes and biking in Wisconsin. Thank you for joining me for another exciting episode of Critical Transit. My name is Jeremy Mendelson, and I am on tour of the Midwest currently to study sustainable transport networks, uh, primarily bikes and public transit, um, trying to study how these networks work, how they're integrated, and how they can be improved, and uh, and also promote public and sustainable transportation so uh, I spent about a week in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, had a very good time, a very interesting week. Um, I, was, I was taking a bunch of buses and biking around a lot, and it was very cold when I first got there, but it started to warm up slowly. Uh, I wrote all about the experience in Milwaukee and my thoughts on, on the bus system and the bike network uh, at, on the blog at criticaltransit.com, where you can find out more about me and my work. Uh, over there. You can also follow me on Twitter at Critical Transit and on Facebook at Critical Transit. And, uh, you know, I try to share my, you know, micro thoughts there, but um, most of the interesting work can be found on, on the site. Uh, I'd encourage you to subscribe to the blog um, by clicking on the subscribe button or the RSS feed button or whatever it is, I forget, on the upper right corner of the main page. And uh, also you can click on the subscribe and iTunes button or use the feeds to subscribe to the podcast feed um, in the podcatcher of your choice. Um, I probably should know exactly how that looks, um, but to be honest with you, I'm not that professional. So um, yeah, if you're looking for professionalism, you're probably going to have to go somewhere else. But I will say that I should make note now that uh, I've been having a lot of trouble with the website and the uh, the blog has been growing by leaps and bounds in terms of the number of readers. And, uh, you know, I haven't looked at the latest numbers, but um, there are, you know, many thousands of people viewing the site uh, on a monthly basis. So um, that's kind of I'm kind of been blown away by the by the support and the following. So, uh, you know, I really appreciate all that. And, uh, and I'm happy that so many people are finding my work interesting and useful. And, uh, and I'd love to hear from some of you. Send me an email at feedback at criticaltransit.com, where on the website there is a, a contact page and, and a contact form there. With all that said, uh, I'm I'm in Madison this week, and it's a, it's a very nice place to be. I'm I'm having a very enjoyable stay here, and there, uh, it's it's a very interesting geography. It's uh, the only city that I've ever been to that's located on an isthmus, um, which is basically a strip of land between two water bodies. And I'll have more on that in a future episode, as well as uh, uh, probably the next blog post after uh, after this episode. Uh, but for now, I wanted to share my interview with Dave Schlabowski, uh, Jessica Binder, and Jake Newborn 
from the Wisconsin Bike Fed. And we talked about a lot of great things going on at legislative efforts, uh, education projects, uh, and a number of things just regarding biking in Milwaukee and, and around Wisconsin. And you can find out more about them at bfw.org. And Dave has a blog over there. You can you can check that out and um, and find out about volunteering and supporting their work in, in other ways. So, um, so I'm going to play that interview, and I'll come back and talk to you on the other side. So I'm here in the Wisconsin Bike Fed offices in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm here with Dave Shabelsky, who's the communications director for Bike Fed. Um, he's been living here a long time, and he's he was the first staff member of Bike Fed, right? That's uh, correct. Cool. And um, Jessica Binder is here. Uh, she runs the education programs, um, Safe Routes to School program, and do a bunch of education for motorists and cyclists. So thank you, Jessica. And we have Jake Newborn here, who is uh, education program manager. He runs a bunch of education programs. He um, runs the Valid Bike program, which I really want to hear about, in uh, Milwaukee North High School. Yep, at North Division High School in Milwaukee is the Valid Shop and the Milwaukee Safe Routes to School. Excellent, excellent. And you and you uh, play bike polo. True. Awesome. Yes, that is my uh, <laughs> my off the clock uh, habit. Cool. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Cool. So, yeah, so thank you for, for doing this. And, uh, you know, I'm very happy to be here. And I've never been to Milwaukee before. Um, never been to Wisconsin. Um, and this, you know, being from the East Coast, it's sort of, we sort of forget that Wisconsin is up here. Uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, but it, it's really good to be here because uh, Milwaukee is kind of, and, and Wisconsin in general is, is known as like a really progressive area. And um, it has a lot of really interesting history. Uh, and I'm curious about how, how the bike fed kind of came, came to be. And uh, you know, and where we are today. If you want to just jump in and Dave's, Dave's the, the historian, yeah. <laughs> well, this is actually our 25-year <clears throat> anniversary this April. Um, so we've been around for about 25 years. We will be celebrating that at our our lobby day, April 9th. Um, and, but uh, so a group of individuals, um, some of whom are still around and we still work with. I had a meeting about 25 years ago in Madison near the Capitol and, you know, uh, just uh, wanted to move bicycling forward in Wisconsin. And uh, we've been working on that same uh, that same project ever since. So we have lots of other things going on in the, in the uh, below that level, but that's always the overarching goal to make Wisconsin a better place to bike. Mm-hmm. And it's it seems it seems to be a pretty pretty nice place to bike uh, so far. I mean, it's winter. Yeah, so. it's winter. Um, that people are still riding, and and it is a statewide. It is a good place to to ride a bike from a compared to many other states. I mean, we have you know, more than two thousand miles of trails. Uh, the vast majority of our really quiet town road networks are paved, thanks to our. Um, our dairy industry and and our progressive movement um, a long time ago. So so that makes rural riding really really pleasant. Um, except for those people who are now getting really into gravel road racing, it's hard to harder to find gravel roads yeah. <laughs> to have a long race. <laughs> uh, but um, but for the vast majority of people, they really enjoy the, the riding around on quiet country roads in Wisconsin. That that you maybe will. Five cars will pass you in four hours, you know. So, um, 
And uh, uh, so uh, we've, uh, as an organization, we have been doing things like Bike to Work Week and education programs, and we work with the legislature at the state and local levels, elected officials, and then also at the national level. We go to the National Bike Summit, and we've been involved at all those levels um, for uh, pretty much our entire history. Cool, cool. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to hear about some of the education programs that you guys are doing. That seems to be one of your big focuses. Um, yeah. um, and I, should, like I should just say that uh, my work is kind of transitioning. I'm kind of moving away from being the education director to being the Milwaukee chapter director, so focusing more on local work. Um, we're continuing some of our statewide programs, but now that they're established, um, okay, they're not as much work to run, so I can do other things. Um, but the education programs we do have include Share and Be Aware, an adult statewide ambassador program. Um, so kind of like Mayor Daly's Bicycling Ambassadors that you might have heard about in Chicago. We have a statewide version, and we focus on adult education. We do some um, youth education, but it's all sorts of adults, those who bike, those who walk, those who drive. Um, student drivers, we had a big focus on educating high school students who are in driver's ed classes about how to safely operate their cars around bikers and walkers and follow the laws and that's been really effective and exciting and kind of the the right way to actually change driver behavior long term it's it's so hard to change um people who have 30 year old driving habits and get them to change their minds on how to access them versus um at a driver's ed class where you can have 30 new drivers who are really eager to get their license and they will listen and do whatever they have to do to pass the test and uh, and get there their license. So that's been a good new program. <clears throat> and then Jake is, bit, is the leader for our Safe Routes to School work in Milwaukee, which is a kind of innovative program in that it works with like a, a very high, low-income school district, but provides a really holistic program that makes sure that walking and biking is kind of an option for everybody in the state. And you can talk about yeah, that. the the goal the I run specifically the Milwaukee Public Schools uh, Safe Routes to School program. So we work with. Well, last year we worked with about 30 schools, teaching directly about 1,700 kids. Um, yeah, and like Jessica mentioned, in all sorts of income and age, uh, ethnicity and uh, neighborhoods of the city uh, that we worked with. Um, you know, really just promoting more and more walking and biking to school and trying to increase the numbers and safety of kids. Uh, choosing that option and trying to work with parents um, as well because obviously they're the ones who kind of decide how their kids get to school so as much uh, we actually have people today out at parent-teacher conferences this week uh, trying to help spread the word directly to the parents um, so yeah cool. and, and in a lot of places actually there has been resistance well there's always been resistance to biking to school as it's been seen as more and more dangerous over the years and um, there have been many schools that have banned kids from walking to school or biking to school um, and I, I'm curious how their reception has been around here to the safe routes program in general right um, <laughs> it's it's mixed um, there's some there's exactly there's a lot some people that are like no way am I gonna let my kid walk or bike there's a really busy street um, people don't know how to drive and act around bicyclists and children walking uh, so that's part of the you know this education to get the motorists as well um, and then I have other schools that kind of take it on very seriously and um, live in maybe live in more of a progressive or you know younger crowd of uh, families who are maybe a little more willing and live in those neighborhoods where they walk to their neighborhood school they do a lot of walking in general to the parks to their uh, other things so they're kind of used to it 
Uh, so it really runs the gamut here in Milwaukee from one end to the other of people who are like, heck no, I'm not letting my kid walk a bike because of you know, traffic or violence or predators, um, which is a big, big thing I hear. And then it goes to the other side where people are like, oh, I love walking and biking and I want more people to do it. So it's a wide range. I do think it's important when you talk about Milwaukee public schools to... Um, recognize that we do have a really unique busing policy and school choice situation so kids are able to go to a school almost anywhere in the city and have transportation provided Um, so often at some of the schools we work at there's a small percentage of students who have a realistic possibility to walk or bike to school but we feel it's really important to give every kid good bicycle and pedestrian knowledge and safety practices so that they can within their own communities walk and bike even if maybe the trip to school is actually a difficult one for them to make. Right and and during our summer programming uh, we'll actually go to schools like community learning centers which are like kind of summer camps based out of the schools and we'll do a longer extended program where we actually take the kids on field trips uh, take them to the lake. A lot of these kids live three miles from the lake and have never seen, you know, been to the beach at Lake Michigan. Um, so bringing them that experience to say, hey, look, you can take your bike places and use it as a transportation tool besides school, um, using it on the weekend for those recreation opportunities as well. That's really cool. And, and um, you know, and, and when you teach when you teach kids something, it's something they, they you know, they won't for, tend to forget that. Um, I'm curious, when, in terms of kids learning bicycling skills, um, what are, are there are there different levels in terms of ability to um, to do certain things? Like, for example, are are kids less capable of certain things in traffic situations? Uh, kids, a kid's, de- a kid's developmental right. readiness definitely impacts what they can do on a bike. Um, so, you know, we teach different things to six-year-olds as to 12-year-olds or sixth graders. Um, so we always try to make sure whatever we're teaching is developmentally appropriate for the child. Um, and we highlight with the younger ages how it's the, really the parents that have to make some decisions and make the rules for what the kid can or cannot do. But around age 10 is when most kids are developing the physical and mental capabilities to be able to make good decisions in traffic. So that's when we teach them the skills, like making a traffic-style left turn, um, you know, staying on the right side of the road till you're close to where you're going to be making your left turn, checking back for traffic, signaling, moving over um, one lane at a time, checking for opposing traffic and right-of-way issues at the actual intersection, and then making the appropriate left turn. And that is a complicated sequence um, of activities, and it takes a lot of practice and um, effective teaching on our part, but because our program is hands-on and the kids really get to practice it out on the street, um, first in a traffic-free environment and then mixing with traffic, they are able to handle it um, and learn those skills. That's that's really cool. Yeah, I really like that. I feel like the education is a big, such a big part of, of what we see going wrong in the, on the streets, you know, and um, in terms of, you know, drivers doing the wrong things, motor, uh, bicyclists just not, just not knowing. I mean, you see people riding the wrong way and stuff, and it's just, you know, I don't think that they're just being jerks. I think it's just... They just don't know that that's not safe. Yeah, there's some confusion I hear a lot of times um, because when you're walking, when you're out like jogging, it's I've heard it recommended to kind of go against traffic, run in towards traffic on the left side of the street. So some people kind of assume that's the same thing for bicycling. You know, although the, we have to teach them that a bicycle is a vehicle and should be operating as such, that will keep you safe as opposed to acting unpredictably, not being visible to cars. That's 
what the, to the main keys we teach the kids is when you're acting predictably and you're seen, that will severely decrease the chances of you being involved in a crash. I also think that um, over the past 10 years, there's been a big decrease in the rate of people walking, I'm sorry, biking against traffic, just anecdotally from what I've seen. And I think a large part of that is bike lanes and that on so many streets, there's kind of a stripe that shows people where they should bike. There's actually a bike symbol and then an arrow. And I think that's done a lot of um, kind of subtle education of, of people where they're like, oh, I guess I should bike with traffic. And it, it, that's a kind of education, too. And I think it's really been paying dividends um, over time because it seems like the wrong way riding is less of an issue than it used to be. Um, can you tell us, uh, just shift gears a little bit, about the uh, Valid Bike Program in the school? Uh, yeah. So uh, Valid Bike Shop was started mainly as an opportunity, a partnership with the school district to supply the bikes we needed for the Safe Roads of School, as well as oper- offer um, a dual opportunity to high school-aged mechanics to get some you know, hands-on training, some job skills, um, a little bit of mechanical skills. Uh, and we partner with the Milwaukee Area Workforce Investment Board to actually, they will. there's some grant programs and stuff where they will pay the wages of the students to come in for a six to eight week summer training program or some, some school year programs. Um, so they'll actually pay the wage of the students and we'll give them that training and that kind of on the job experience of having to show up on time, having to complete tasks, um, interacting with people and coworkers and uh, so then that allows us to kind of teach them to fix the bikes. We work with them to partner then to try and find jobs in other bicycle uh, shops or related fields. Um, and so that's been going for about seven years or so. About seven years, maybe a little longer. Um, and we pump out, uh, let's see, we constantly maintain at least 150 bicycles for the Safe Routes program, as well as you know, many more that we fix up and give away and sell to adults to help supplement the, the funds for the program. Um, and yeah, that's based out of North Division High School, um, and we're always looking to, you know, to partner with the schools and bring other kids in to, to offer them training opportunities. Well, yeah, that's it's really good putting putting uh, putting things together in terms of you know find, helping people find uh, something to do and and you know and you can learn you learn so much from bike repair that it's it's not just even if you don't find a job fixing bikes it's, you, you learn so much about you know working with your hands and yeah and uh, making decisions. And no, I definitely one of my mechanics um, who started in the Earn and Learn program and then I actually hired him on as an assistant mechanic after that program completed. Uh, his name is Brandy, and he then. Worked with me for about three years, and then moved on to get a job at like a uh, lamp lighting fixture installation place. So uh, more full time work for him, and I he was only part time for us. So, but that the ability to use the tools, understand how mechanically things work, cr- helped create an opportunity for him to get that job. Cool, cool. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess we're jumping around a lot because we want to make the most of the, the time that we have. Yeah, we have a um, new one thing I guess I just want to share with you these pictures um, of this which mobile. Which don't read well on the radio. Yeah, not on the radio, but um, <laughs> I'll put them on the site. You can put them on the site. Uh, an extension of the Valid Bike Shop has been to us for us to partner with a local neighborhood group here, um, Leighton Boulevard West Neighbors. They really wanted to bring bike repair to their constituents, and there's not a bike shop immediately in this area. So we worked with them and talked with them, and they came up with this idea of having a mobile bike repair. Um, unit 
um, called the Mobile Bike Hub, and it's going to go to farmers markets, soccer tournaments, just events in the neighborhood, and offer free bike repairs. And it's a unique looking tricycle that'll be able to carry all the tools um, and really make a presence when it's at events so that people know they can come and, and get free bike repairs. So again, like another opportunity to try to bring biking to a wider range of people and economic levels. I love it. That's awesome. Um, that's something yeah, that I've, I've seen. I met a couple of people in Chicago who were doing that, you know, for as a business model, going to fixing bikes. Um, but yeah, especially you know, going into places that are often marginalized and, and uh, you know, in the bike industry often bike shops often cater to the more high end and people have more money to spend, you know, you go for a tune up and it's like $60, um, you know, nothing wrong with that, but a lot of people can't afford that. And so it's good to, to bring that to, to people and, um, and you know, you just ride what you have and make, make what you have work. So, um, yeah, I really like that. That's cool. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear about some of the, um, the other, the more policy aspects of, of the bike fed um, you know, what are some of the things that bike fed has gotten into on the legislative level? I know you went to the bike summit recently, right? We've gotten to the national bike summit every year. Um, as long as I can remember. Um, and, uh, um, we have our own statewide bike summit as well. And, and lobby effort at our state capital in Madison that, as I mentioned earlier, is coming up April 9th this year. Our, our two legislative pushes are, are going to be uh, to enact a vulnerable user law, which we've drafted and um, worked with some legislators to are working with some legislators to get introduced this session, and then uh, you know to restore some more of the federal funding that the state gets for bicycling and walking projects, um, so that that money is available to local municipalities. So our vulnerable user bill, um, it basically it you know it. it it requires uh, or allows prosecutors uh, to seek uh, uh, felony charges in um, cases where a person walking or riding a bike, uh, a person in a buggy, we have a lot of Amish in um, parts of Wisconsin, um, or a law enforcement official that's you know stopped along the side of the road. If one of those um, individuals is, is hit um, through negligence, uh, regular negligence of um, by a person driving a motor vehicle, uh, it offers the opportunity for the prosecutor to seek felony level charges. It doesn't require it; it just offers that. At currently, um, with Wisconsin state law, it's very difficult for a prosecutor to. Um, Prove you have to prove criminal negligence with our current law, not regular normal negligence. And uh, and criminal negligence requires that you prove that a person knew their actions were likely to cause great harm or death. So if you're turning your radio, you know, if you're driving down a side street next to a school and you turn your, you look down and you just turn your radio station and you hit a, a child, um, it, it would be, even if the, the child dies, it'd be very difficult for a prosecutor to prove that that person who turned the radio dial knew there was a chance that a kid was going to die because of it. Um, it's a very difficult level of proof to achieve. So the new law will lower that level of, of we, the prosecutors will not have to prove criminal negligence. Um, 
regular negligence is will be acceptable. Um, so we're going to push that, and then of course um, we're always we get you know bicycling and walking. Uh, although you can do a lot with very little money, um, we've proven that for years. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we uh, we're certainly always looking to get a, a little bit um, more money. Our current proposed state budget it's not approved yet but our proposed state budget right now increases the amount of money the for transportation overall the department of transportation's budget so there's a bigger transportation pie out there but our slice of the pie got smaller so everybody else is getting more money and we're getting less so our legislative effort will be to try to keep at least parity um with what we had before if not since everybody else is getting more, um, we would get more as well. And again, you can hardly see how the sliver of our our sliver of the pie is very very small. So um, so we're not asking for much. Yeah, um, yeah, that amazes me how you know it's, it's there's always uh, never enough money um, for bikes, and you know it's just, you see it in the transit world. Um, but somehow they always yeah, seem to find money. And somehow they always seem to find money for highways. I don't really well, understand. and that's another thing. Your <laughs> your issue. your issue. Uh, your your website is is concerning. We're a bike organization, so we're, we really have to focus on our our mission. Um, but just for your reference, that the current budget in Wisconsin also takes transit funding, removes it from the transportation budget, and puts it in the general fund in Wisconsin. So. It will now have to compete with healthcare, education, things like that, as opposed to in the past when it was competing with, you know, highway funds and things like that. So it removes trans- transit funding from transportation and puts it in a general fund with other social services. Um, sounds like that. Which is an ideological uh-huh. move. Yeah. Um, so the, the limited funds that, that we do have for you know, for bike infrastructure or whatever else they're using. You know, what, what are these, what do the funds go to? Can you give us some examples of some things that we've done with them? Yeah, well, as I said, Wisconsin's been a, a leader in, in trails for as long as trails, we, we, we built the first one in Wisconsin. Now, Ray Sparta Trail is the first rail trail built in the United States. We've been a leader in that area for ever since then. So we... We've used those funds very effectively to build a, uh, a very nice trail system. Um, our vision for Wisconsin moving forward is to take that pretty good trail system that we have right now and fill in the gaps. So in the same way, we our Department of Transportation has mega, pro- mega projects that like fund freeway interchanges and stuff like that, which are you know $2 billion or $1.5 billion. We're proposing that um, in our vision for Wisconsin cycling um, that we have kind of a bicycle mega project from a state level and we just take our existing trail network, which is a couple thousand miles of trails, and we try to fill in those gaps. So like a state interstate system, we have a complete network. It's not, there aren't gaps in it. So that's our vision, but we've done a good job using federal funds with that. We, we Us, Minnesota and Michigan have by f- we have twice as many miles of trails as the next state close to us. Um, the Midwest 
for a number of reasons has been leader in, in rail trail conversions. But we've also done a good job with bike lanes and, and um, bike racks on buses and things like that. So, um, so we have a, a state law that the bike fed helped pass that um, re- a complete streets law that requires that bicycle facilities be included in projects that use state and federal funds. So anytime a road is reconstructed, there has to be some accommodation for bicycling and walking, unless there's like a demonstrated no need. A rural town road between, you know, two towns eight miles long and there's three houses on it, you know, I mean, and 400 cars a day drive down the street. So in that situation, there's no painted lines on the road to begin with. You don't necessarily need anything, you know, but in an urban situation or in a suburban situation, um, our law requires that. So that's something we did. Um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, I guess with the limited funds that we've, we've had available, we've managed to build bike lanes and trails and stuff, and those uh, have done served us fairly well. The next step, I think, is, is protected bike lanes. Once you've sort of pulled all the low-hanging fruit from the tree and built all the bike lanes where they fit, just the striped lines, and you have your trail corridors are limited, particularly in, in urban areas, um, once those are done, um, the next level to fill out your network is is protected bike lanes to get more people riding. Um, and so Milwaukee has, we have our first protected bike lane that was installed a couple years ago. It's it's a raised bike lane. I think it's the only one east of, of Oregon. Um, there are other protected bike lanes. Most of them have been done with, with flexible bollards and, and um, curb and stuff like that. But uh, ours was built similar in style to the cycle tracks in, in Copenhagen and um, where, where they're raised by a couple inches. Ours has a gentle rolled curb between the, the bike lane and the, as opposed to like the vertical curb faces that they have in, uh, in Copenhagen, with, typically done with granite because they have a giant island full of granite, so granite's really cheap there, but uh, all their curbs are made of granite. But uh, ours is a rolled curb so that you can roll in and out of it. In Copenhagen, you're, as a bicycle, you're, right, person riding a bicycle, you're required to make pedestrian style left turns. So you cross an intersection and you wait, and then you cross again when the, we can make vehicular turns here, so being able to roll in and out of the bike lane with a rolled curb uh, makes sense. It's, the project has gotten nothing but good reviews, so, um, the city is looking at other locations to put um, protected bike lanes in. As Chicago has put in a ton, you were just in Chicago, they've got a ton of them. New York is, you know, the, the means, I like to say the mean streets of New York have been transformed into green streets with their, with their you know, protected bike lanes that they put in. And um, so those, those sorts of things are, are in the process of happening in Wisconsin as well. Cool. Yeah, but I have to go check those out. I, I wasn't aware of those. So. Um, yeah, looking forward to that. And, and uh, the first rail trail in the U.S. too. It's something that I didn't know. So It's got a big lot. If you're around to ride it, it's got two very long, completely black tunnels. So you need to have a lot. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> it would be the warmest part of the whole ride. Yeah. 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 That's what and that sort of shows, you know, the, the rail trail design and how it's, I was having a conversation yesterday with someone about how 
the the rail trails have generally been designed to you know poor standards or or things that you wouldn't do on a highway you do to the trail you put a 90 degree turn or bollards and weird stuff and so i guess we've sort of learned over time uh, but yeah so it'd be interesting to see the, the first one with <laughs> the shortcomings um so yeah um you mentioned bike paths and um i i actually tried to ride here on the bike path and uh it was covered in snow and ice yes <laughs> So I hear that um, some people are, are pushing to have the paths cleared in, in the winter. Um, is that something that you're working on? Yeah, that's an effort that um, I've kind of started here locally in Milwaukee just to work with. I, I've got a, um, based on comments that I've written on my blog and stuff about the lack of you know snow and ice removal on some of the key transportation trails in the Milwaukee area, uh, and compared that to perhaps some other cities where they do a better job, Madison maybe, um, some other places. I've We've gotten a small group of people together who want to work on making improvements, moving the bar up a little bit um, for next winter. So I've had a, an initial meeting with Milwaukee County, which has the majority of the trails in the Milwaukee County area are, are county trails. The city has a few trails and the state has a key important trail. So um, I'm working yet to meet with the city. They just hired a new bike ped coordinator, so she just started. So I haven't been able to meet yet with them. But um, And then I've had conversations with the state about their trail as well. And the friends group that helps raise money for that state trail, the Hank Aaron State Trail, um, is the state trail. So, so we're working on moving that forward. Um, some of our trails are cleared better than others. None of them are cleared consistently or dependably, um, and none of them are really at the same level as some of the other cities, like perhaps Madison. Um, and I, the issue is is really twofold. It's it's not just how well it's cleared, but it's it's an expectation of riders to know when. So maybe we don't have the money right away to make our trails as clear as roads because the political will and funds just aren't there for that. But if we can at least make them a little more rideable and say everybody knows, well, maybe the first day it snows you can't get on there, but by the second day we have the expectation that the trail will be rideable. Right now, there's no sort of rule about it. Nobody really knows. And when you don't know, you'd stop using something, you know. So if we want more people to ride and we want more people to get around on, on bicycles, um, we really have to make it more dependable. And you mentioned the, the government structure um, and how, you know, or the, you mentioned how um, the city is responsible for some stuff and the county is responsible and the state. And, um, it, I've seen a bunch of different government structures in, in the cities that I've been in, and I still haven't been in a lot of places. Um, but my understanding is that there's a little bit of a mishmash of, of government agencies responsible for different things. And I'm curious how that sort of affects these issues. That's the same case with, with all transportation systems, though. Um, there's, there's, you know, interstates and things which are, you know, state managed. There are roads and highways that are county managed, and there are roads that are city managed and and that's within any municipality so even on even when it comes to our street network um a certain bridge may be a road may be maintained by the city and the bridge is maintained by the county so the county will clear the snow on the bridge even though the city 
has the road that goes that abuts up. Now the city's going to drive its plow down the street without lifting the plow blade when it goes across that bridge, but when it comes to the sidewalk on that bridge, it's the county's responsibility then to clear that sidewalk and and the city doesn't necessarily do that and the city requires residents to clear their own sidewalks so even if there are houses that go right up next to a bridge a bridge sidewalk may suddenly be clogged with snow uh, um, so on our road network we've had years of intergovernmental cooperation where they've developed relatively seamless systems so you're not driving down the street in your car and suddenly there's a chunk of road where the municipality changes and it's not cleared with snow because the two cities have different policies. That is not yet the case on our trail network or even our pedestrian um, walkways. So, <clears throat> so it is still the case that you can be riding your bike or walking down a sidewalk or, or riding your bike on a trail and it's cleared with snow and then the plow, you, it, you can see where the plow just stopped and then it jumped off the trail and went into the street. And that's just... Uh, a level of intergovernmental cooperation that, that hasn't been worked out yet. Right, I'd say it's not like a structural issue because I think it's good that all these different government agencies are willing to build trails within Milwaukee. I want lots of different branches of government or entities to say trails are important and we're going to make them. We have to work out some maintenance issues, um, but it's a good thing that there's different entities investing in and building trails within one community. Yeah, maybe we need those um, those bike ski. Have you seen those where there's like a um, there's a rear tire and then the front it's just this cross country skis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, maybe we need some of those things. <laughs> um, or like interchangeable. You can t- pop the skis off and put the wheel on and you get on the road. Right, that's the problem. It's like a <laughs> 400 yard distance sometimes that's so icy and snowy and it would be frustrating to yeah. go back and forth. Well, um, in it's spring is here soon, right? I hope eventually it is actually here. And, uh, <laughs> tomorrow, right? Tomorrow, yeah. So there's still snow on the grounds, but I mean, yeah. I know a lot of people are talking about uh, bike share. Is that is that something that might be happening, or are people just really excited about it? I think bike share is going to happen in Milwaukee. We have a system in Madison operating already, um, and Midwest Bike Share is uh, a nonprofit um, group that's trying to bring it to Milwaukee. They're pretty um, well organized and they have um, a significant amount of funding already. They're not fully funded yet. They're also working with other uh, government agencies for funding and private funding. So I expect Milwaukee will have a, a bike share system operating. If not by the end of this year, they'll probably be fully funded by the end of this year. It's just, at a certain point, it doesn't make sense to start installations um, and you have to order, you know, kiosks and bikes um, and stuff like that. And then you don't want to put them in in the middle of wintertime. Um, so so I'm guessing next year they'll have um, bike share operating in Milwaukee. Yeah, that'd be cool. It's exciting. And it's been, I lived in Boston, which had bike share, and I've been to D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived in New York, uh, where there was, they were um, trying to get bike share, and they kept getting delayed and delayed, and it right. was very sad. Um, but it, it's a really great thing to have. You get a lot more people on bikes. And um, if, if you're lucky in the city, it, it, what it does is it also, because it gets more people on bikes, it gets more people thinking about bikes, right. and it changes the politics a little bit. So that's really exciting. Right. 
Yeah, so. that's what we're hoping for. Excellent. Um, Jessica has brought a copy, uh, she's actually sitting on the table for a little while, yeah. of the new Bike Fed magazine, which is, uh, is very exciting here. Um, tell us about the magazine. Well, it lays out a lot of what Dave was talking about, and it's Dave's project, so I should let him talk about it. But of course, we'd like you to have that for your own um, you know, reference, and anyone who becomes a member get, will get four issues of this new magazine per year. Yeah, that's our first edition of, of our new magazine. We used to put out a newsprint newsletter, and we've sort of upgraded to something a little more uh, coffee table-esque. Um, so our, our goal is a high-quality magazine with a theme for each issue, and, and the theme for the first issue was uh, our vision for Wisconsin Cycling, in which it lays out that trail network, that interstate trail network that I mentioned earlier, um, our other sort of uh, our three-pronged approach to our vision is is platinum-rated bicycle-friendly communities across the state, and uh, and then world-class mountain biking. Although Wisconsin does not have mountains per se, like uh, the Rockies or, or the Sierras or something like that, it's been proven over and over again that with professionally designed and built trails. It, you don't need that much elevation change to make a really, really great um, mountain biking experience. Uh, Valmont Park is like that by Boulder. Um, in the Midwest, Copper Harbor is one. Cuyuna uh, uh, Lakes in northern Minnesota. And then Duluth is building a system. And um, so we have one that's starting on the south side of Milwaukee that's being constructed by the same company, designed and constructed the same company that built the mountain bike park at Whistler. Um, in British Columbia and so we'll have our first one very soon but we have a number of other opportunities in the state where people are interested in a professionally built mountain bike park and and so we're working with IMBA on that and uh, um, and trying to build these sort of what IMBA defines as, as a ride center where where it's it's a park that you that all levels of people can go to and and get a consistent experience and and know what they're going to get when they go on a trail and sort of like when you go to a ski hill and they're labeled as blue and black and green um no surprises uh, uh and, and a lot of different opportunities to ride so so that first edition of our magazine lays all that out the next edition of our magazine is kind of a uh, a ride guide. It, there's Wisconsin has hundreds of of races, rides, and bike events around the state, um, and so we put out one edition of that magazine each year. Lists all those rides and where they are and when they are, and lets people advertise and promote their events and stuff like that. And then it also lists all of our trails and things. And then this issue, because Wisconsin is such is the national leader for the bicycle industry. Um, not everybody knows that, and everybody knows Trek is here, but we have a lot of other a lot of other bike businesses here. Um, it, it's a multi billion dollar um, impact to our state economy. So the this first edition highlights a few of our smaller, um, everybody knows Trek and Schwinn and GT and all those companies that are based here and Saris and some of the bigger ones, even Waterford Precision Cycles owned by Richard Schwinn. A lot of people are familiar with those, but we have a lot of other cool little companies, Milwaukee Bicycle Company. Um, they just put out a new polo mallet. Um, if you're in Paris and you go to a bike shop and you want to buy a polo mallet, there's a good chance that you'll be able to buy one made by Milwaukee Bicycle Company. So we have these niche little companies like that. Um, that and and that's what the feature stories are about. Uh, 
the only North America company in North America that makes leather saddles is based in Elkhorn, Wisconsin. Um, other than that, you have to go to like Brooks, you know, in England to get a leather saddle made or Taiwan. Um, and I think maybe there might be one French company. So we've got a big deep bike industry with a bunch of fun, cool products, you know, courier bag manufacturers and uh, wheelsmith spokes are one of the things highlighted. Uh, we, um, Wheelsmith makes their spokes here. About two and a half million spokes a year are made just on the north side of Milwaukee. And uh, they even brought in, uh, they bought out an Asian spoke manufacturer and brought in their machinery um, over here to our factory. So it's a, it's a rare case of sort of reverse jobs where we're taking jobs from Asia and bringing them back to uh, the Milwaukee area. And, and so we're proud of our bike industry in the same way we're proud of uh, what the rest of the things that make Wisconsin a great place to ride a bike and our bike industry there are our partners as advocates as well um, so we're promoting um, some of that what they do in the next edition of our magazine excellent and uh, the bike culture is pretty big you know like you like you started to mention I mean it's not how, I'm curious how that the, you think that's because of the bike manufacturers being here or is there other reasons I'm not sure I've I often get friends ask that um, we have like some of the world's best polo teams are based in Milwaukee. Jake's on one of those teams. Um, we have uh, couriers that our, our local couriers have won, you know, world championship career races. We have uh, a small... Former Olympian who's our landlord. Yeah, <laughs> a, a small, you know, we've got this... I like to think of our, our bike culture as we're not a big place like Chicago. We're like sort of like an amuse-bouche, though. We're like a really <laughs> tasty small bite. Um, so we have most of everything, and it's all really accessible because we're in a smaller community in a smaller city. And so we have some of the coolest couriers. Uh, Cog Magazine is based out of Milwaukee. It it was a, a you know... Uh, a magazine that changed the landscape for all other niche bike magazines. Uh, if you can ask most anybody at another bike magazine, they'll say, yeah, when COG came out, suddenly we all had to raise the bar. Um, and, game changer. Uh, yeah, game changer. Yeah. <laughs> That's the key. But so, yeah, we've got a lot of, you know, racing. We've got the largest mountain bike race series in the country. We've got the largest road race series in the country. Um, We've got the greatest uh, 24-hour race, the River West 24-hour race. That's uh, a really special Started event, yeah. about, uh, this will be its sixth year. Uh, it's a, built as a neighborhood event, but also a fun ride slash race. Um, and that's become so popular that even the great bike city of Minneapolis has copied the format and is doing theirs, the Powderhorn 24. Um, so, I mean, a, where you'll see every type of bicyclist at that event, from the you know, jersey kit clad guy to the mom on a trike with a kid in the back or something. And everyone, everyone participates in that race. Um, and now, yeah, and because of COG and because of other uh, companies and people promoting it, you know, worldwide uh, knowledge of, of the great things that we're, we're doing with a ride like that. Really cool. Really cool. So, um, I, it would be cool to, if we could wrap up by just talking about, um, some of your maybe you could share some of your favorite rides, and I guess we could use the term ride loosely, either meaning a bicycle or a place to go on a bicycle. <laughs> um, I might be stealing one of Dave's. I guess one of my favorite rides in Wisconsin is to base yourself at Blue Mound State Park and just every day go on a different big loop and hit as many breweries and cheesemakers as you can. Um, and there's a lot of nice hilly terrain 
and small breweries and cool historic bars that you can get to a nice 80 mile loop each day. Yeah, there's a story about that in that magazine on our trail systems that I, we've sort of dubbed the Badger Brewery Trail because you can ride all the way across the state on trails and and it goes the trail system goes right by all these small microbreweries so um, uh, and larger some larger breweries where in Milwaukee after all we still have some guys that <laughs> that spill more beer than most small breweries make in a year. Um, uh, I guess one of my uh, other than like biking to work every day, um, probably one of my just favorite, I have a couple favorite local rides. One is um, another thing that makes Milwaukee a great urban center is although we've got, we are an urban center with all those great, you know, cultural things that go along with that. Within five minutes of my house, I'm mountain biking on a mountain bike trail next to a river with people fly fishing for salmon and trout and deer running across my trail and you know fishers and and stuff like that um so that's one of my it's a great urban escape you're in this verdant corridor next to a uh you know babbling river and and you could be in you know colorado next to people fly fishing there without the mountains um and uh and then you just pop out of the trees and suddenly you're you realize you're actually still in the city it's it's a real nice nice escape um i've got a couple favorites i'd say one of my favorites as of uh the past couple years has been not an outdoor but an indoor riding we just got a raise indoor mountain bike park here which also has another location in cleveland but we have one in milwaukee that's just been an awesome addition to the to the community and the the second community around Milwaukee and in, even extending beyond that lots of people will travel very far so but that's an awesome experience to to get to have here um, I also enjoy we mentioned it a couple times but the Hank Aaron State Trail is a great way I, I really enjoy going to Brewers games at Miller Park and the trail goes right there takes you right up you know parking right up at the gates and just is a great way to get to experience a, a you know, summer baseball game. And then my last one is probably the smallest bike ride you could ever have, which is on the polo court doing circles. There. Um, so playing, playing bike polo as much as I can at our, at our Milwaukee bike polo home courts in, in Washington park, which is what we've actually agreed with the parks department to create that facility um, and build that and maintain that on our own to, to support and grow and, and continue to practice and give us that kind of, space that's ours that we can call a bike polo court and invite people out to play on so and host and host tournaments host we hosted the 2012 north american championships uh several midwest regional events um so yeah obviously that's something that we've a tool and a community has done to to bring in other people again like from from outside of the state to and outside of the country even to come and play um and, and ride their bikes in in our state Cool. And the bike polo team is that that you you run is uh, one of the best in, in the world, if I understand right. Uh, well, yeah, the Milwaukee team, the Beaver Boys, is the current 2010 world champions, uh, current 2012 North American champions. Um, we consistently place multiple teams in on the podium at top fives at t- every tournament we go to. So, yeah, Dave kind of hinted at it earlier. We not you know you think worldwide sports phenomenon you don't get to often mention milwaukee in the same breath as a lot of uh, other larger cities but um we're pretty proud to to be known and respected worldwide and on a kind of growing uh new urban sport well thanks for chatting with me this has been great um 
really happy to be here and I've learned a lot and I'm, I have some exploring to do. So, yeah, thanks right. for coming to visit. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Hope you have a good trip. Thanks. Thanks again to Dave, Jessica, and Jake for taking the time to fill us in on what's going on in Milwaukee and around Wisconsin. You can find out more about the Bike Fed at bfw.org, where you can read Dave's blog. You can find out about volunteering, and you can make a donation to support their important work. If you become a member, you get the spiffy new magazine, so go and check that out. Uh, the Bike Fed office is located right next to the Urban Ecology Center, uh, one of their regional offices, um, and they offer environmental education programs, which is really cool stuff. And uh, I also it's also right next to the Hank Aaron State Trail, uh, one of the entrances. Uh, we talked about that trail in the, in the interview. And I rode the trail to downtown Milwaukee. And although it was a, mostly a side path, basically a glorified sidewalk, it was at least cleared of snow, and, uh, and I had no incidents. Um, that day was the really last, the last really cold day of the year, uh, with temperatures well below freezing. So I uh, mixed some riding around downtown and along the lake with stops to warm up. Uh, Milwaukee's got a number of uh, nice bike paths, including uh, the Oak Leaf Trail, which runs, uh, you know, runs along Lake Michigan. Um, it's really, really beautiful out there, and I can, I can imagine in the summer just lots of people out hanging out on the grass areas. And, uh, you know, of course, it was all covered with snow, so not so much fun uh, this time. That day, you know, it was really, really cold out, and uh, it was basically just me and uh, three guys with skateboards just uh, doing some tricks on the ramps around the, that that come from uh, the lake to up over the highway, which runs between the lake and the rest of the city, and uh, onto this, this bridge, um, but the bridge over the highway, and then this uh, set of ramps going up the, the cliff that the city is on. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, it's like, like many cities where um, there's this big highway there, which is pretty pretty much empty most of the time. And at least whenever I saw it, it was you know, a handful of cars using it. And, uh, you know, what could be done if we took that highway out of there and, and just made park space um, or developed some some you know, businesses and, and parks, um, you know, that'd be wonderful, but I'm sure it's not in the plans. So I will, uh, I'll stop dreaming in any case. Um, I, you know, I got to ride around downtown and, and it was cool. It was, you know, good riding. And I, uh, mostly was treated with respect on the roads and I didn't really have too much trouble, you know, getting around. Um, so that the road condition is just pretty awful. Um, they have these uh, instead of using asphalt, they seem to use concrete in most places. And uh, concrete is great for uh, roads that are heavily used by trucks and buses and a lot of cars because it, it holds up to the, 
start stop cycles and all the pressure that goes into the pavement uh, it holds up to that really well but uh it doesn't hold up to the free, freeze thaw cycles very well so uh you know there's just a lot of cracks that are filled in with asphalt and it tends not to be level and um it was just you know this constant bump 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 bump, bump and the whole way um so it gets a little tiring and uncomfortable after a while um but I did ride around a lot. I went up to the University of Wisconsin at, at Milwaukee, and uh, unfortunately it was uh, spring break. Uh, that always seems to happen when I go to a university. It's spring break. Um, so nothing uh, nothing to say there, but uh, maybe the city would be busier if uh, it's not spring break because I found the city to be mostly empty. Um, just, you know, not a lot of people out walking around, and uh, maybe because it's winter. I don't know. Um, compare that with Madison where already here I see a lot of people walking around and uh, it's a lot more lively place. So um, anyway, that's it for today. Uh, coming up in hopefully a few days will be my interview with Evan Pack from the Vulture Space, which is a DIY community bike shop in downtown Milwaukee. And uh, that's been around for a little less than a year. So it's, uh, they're doing a lot of great stuff, teaching people how to fix bikes and, uh, and selling really cheap parts. Um, so that's really exciting. And I, I will continue to release new episodes each week, but I'm no longer going to make any promises that I can't keep about releasing it on a specific day. Um, that's, you, you may have noticed that I've gone back and forth between days and, um, that's, you know, it's not really planned, but it's just kind of, it's hard to stick to a set day, especially when you're, you're traveling and, you know, you're, um, podcasting studio and, and other things are, are quite irregular. Um, I'm sitting on a couch in my host's house right now. So, um, of all places, you know, you, you make it, you make it work. And, uh, so many weeks also will have more than one episode because like with Milwaukee, I was going to combine the two interviews that I did, but, um, there was just too much content and I was like, I'm not going to make a two hour episode. So you get two shows. That's the update on the show. I encourage you to go to the website, criticaltransit.com, and uh, in the upper right-hand corner, you can subscribe to the blog and or the podcast uh, any way you choose and uh, and show your support. Send, send along some feedback. Uh, send me your comments, questions, ideas for show topics and guests, uh, places to go, things to see, all that great stuff. Feedback at criticaltransit.com or you can look for the contact page and, uh, and on there, you know, you can send me an email through that way. I love hearing from you because that's what this is all about, sharing information, and uh, you know it has to be a two-way street here. So uh, if you if you like the show and you find the content useful, please consider going to criticaltransit.com and uh, on the right side where it says Sustainable Transport Tour, um, you can click on Donate and uh, you know make a donation to support this work. And a special thanks to Luke for making a donation on the website, a very generous donation, and uh, it helps keep me traveling and uh, getting to new places and uh, being able to bring you this great content. And, uh, you know, it's not cheap. I have to do a lot of work on the website because I've been having a lot of issues with the website, so uh, I, I need to uh, do some upgrading over there. So, And if you know anything about dealing with slow WordPress sites, um, please send me an email and uh, and let me know how I can solve it because my host has been a little less than helpful there. So um, so thanks for all your support in whatever way you can provide it. And um, please share the show around. Uh, tell your friends. Tell your coworkers. Um, you know, there may be people that uh, live with you or work right next to you and uh, just don't know about the show so please please share it around 
and uh and i appreciate all the all the support that you can give and uh any feedback you would like to share uh till then i will talk to you hopefully in uh, in a few days um but sometime in the next week until then uh ride safe and enjoy the ride <laughs>